you got cooking? How about cooking something up with me? Let's stir it up, boys. Welcome to the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. A weekly excursion into the fine art of preparing the world's most popular recipes under an open sky and an open flame. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the old grill sergeant, Randy Hayes. Happy birthday to me. I turned 73. Yeah, just this past Friday, to be exact. No, I don't mind admitting how old I am. Not at all. I'm 73. And I'm still trying to make people smile and laugh on the radio. So I'm actually kind of proud to admit that. You know, when I was Irv Harrigan on the Hudson and Harrigan Show for 30 continuous years, management always tried to tell us, don't admit your age. H and H are timeless. <laughs> I always thought that was such nonsense. I mean, did they really think that people couldn't do the math? We'd been on the same show, on the same radio station, since many of those listeners were children, for crying out loud. These folks were now young adults, and a lot of them came up to Fred Olson and me at the rodeo and Texans games and chili cook-offs, and they'd say things like, I've been listening to you guys since I was in elementary school. So did our bosses really believe these listeners thought we were, what, 12 years old when we started on the show? <laughs> it was really kind of silly when you stop and think about it realistically. No, I've always openly embraced my age. In fact, I've always said, I'm right proud God has let me live this long, given all the damage I did to my body as a young man. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I was a hippie rock and roll DJ for years. And the H&H show was still top 40 when I became Irv Harrigan in late 1980. So I was a typical long-haired party animal back in those days. Thank the good Lord in heaven I grew out of that. But I did put some miles on this body of mine before I settled down and became a devoted husband and father. So in many ways, it's nothing short of a miracle that I've lived to see my 73rd birthday. As a matter of fact, several people told me a long time ago they didn't expect me to see my 53rd birthday. But I proved them all wrong. So yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. And of being 73, come to think of it. But don't send gifts, please. Just keep listening to the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. That's the best gift you can give me. Seriously. And while I'm at it, I need to extend happy birthday wishes to my lovely wife, Cindy, who celebrates her uh, <clears throat> 39th birthday three days after mine. And we also celebrated our anniversary last Wednesday. No, I'm not going to tell you how many years we've been married because, well, because that would contradict how many years old I just said my wife is. And I stay in enough trouble without figuring out new and innovative ways to dig the hole deeper, you know what I mean? And I think you do. Cindy and I celebrated both our birthdays and our anniversary by going to the James Taylor concert last Sunday night in Toyota Center. Well, actually, we didn't really plan it that way because the show was supposed to happen, what, well over a year ago? And the pandemic closed it down, like everything else. But we just decided to treat it like our birthday and anniversary gifts to each other, and we had a blast. James Taylor was fantastic. But I guess I should also mention the opening act was Jackson Brown, and I wound up enjoying him almost as much as I did James Taylor. Of course, I played doctor my eyes and run it on empty on the radio thousands of times over the years. 
But I had forgotten how many other great songs he wrote, like Rock Me on the Water and Somebody's Baby, which was featured in the movie Fast Times in Ridgemont High. Remember that? And Jackson Brown also co-wrote the Eagles' first hit, Take It Easy, with Glenn Fry, way back when I was just a pup. He had a great band, some truly gifted backup singers. I really enjoyed him, a lot more than I thought I would. But of course, we really went to see James Taylor, and he did not disappoint. First of all, let me just say, the stage and lighting and visual effects were stunning. There were about, I don't know, 40 or 50 light fixtures suspended from cables in the grid, and they would lower and raise them to augment the pictures and the film footage that they projected on this giant screen behind the band. The fixtures would change colors. They'd be green for the forest we saw during going to Carolina, and then they'd change to brown, orange, and red for the leaves of fall during Copperline. Uh, by the way, I, I never realized that the title Copperline referred to the leaves of autumn. But that just goes to show you what a thunderhead I am. Besides, I was on the radio when I played that song, and I never had much time between songs to think about the lyrical content of what I was playing on the air. I was always thinking about some boneheaded joke I was going to try to come up with next, right? Anyway, these light fixtures even went multiple colors during Shower the People to simulate Shower the People You Love with Love. Get it? And they were white when the picture depicted snow falling during one of the other songs. For the life of me, I can't remember which one. Maybe one of you who are also there can remind me in a private message on our Facebook page, The Outdoor Cooking Show. At any rate, the lights and visuals were just outstanding, but they paled in comparison to the music, needless to say. Well, for one thing, James Taylor's band was simply incredible. I don't remember all their names, and I'm too lazy to look them up. But the drummer, lead guitarist, the keyboard player and fiddle player, they were all stars in their own right. Aside from being in James Taylor's band, he even featured one of the most respected salsa percussionists in Latin America. And the guy was an absolute stud on the song Mexico. The songs were even more astounding. And James Taylor's written so many huge hits, he didn't even come close to having enough time to play them all. Now, he did get around to jamming on his own electric guitar on Steamroller, but you won't be surprised to hear he used an acoustic guitar on the overwhelming majority of the songs he played. Sure, he was just amazing on Fire and Rain and How Sweet It Is and Country Road and lots of others, but I think one of my favorites was Sweet Baby James. I never was all that crazy about that song when he initially released it because I always thought it was autobiographical. But when he explained that the song was really about his nephew, I gained a new appreciation for it. As the story goes, James Taylor's brother and sister-in-law named their son James in honor of him. So he responded in kind by writing the song, Sweet Baby James, about the child when he was a toddler. Again, the big screen behind the band showed some absolutely adorable pictures of this little boy when he was first learning to walk. It was just cute beyond words. And I saw the song in a whole new light. And it made me realize all over again what a brilliant songwriter James Taylor has always been. It's easy to see how so many women have fallen head over heels in love with a guy, you know, who can compose songs and then sing them like he can. And I'm talking about some pretty magnificent women here, like Carly Simon and <clears throat> my wife. <laughs> 
Now that I mention it, there was one woman in the audience who was especially fond of James Taylor, other than my wife, I mean. And this other woman wasn't the least bit shy about telling him so. In fact, she told him that she loved him more than a few times between songs before he finally just said, thanks for that. I love you too, but we really should talk about this later. <laughs> Let me just say, James Taylor was hilarious when he ad-libbed between songs. At one point, another female fan in the audience kept screaming, Please play Fire and Rain! So Taylor paused for about a half beat and said, Hey, that's a good idea. Thanks for suggesting that. We just might play that later on. <laughs> but she yelled it several more times between songs, so finally he reached down on the floor of the stage and he picked up the set list. That's a list of songs and the order in which they'll be played to remind him which song to play next. So after about the third time this woman had drunkenly screamed, please play Fire and Rain, he held the set list up in the air so the camera could see it and said, I promise we're going to play Fire and Rain. See, here it is right here on the list. <laughs> I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. <laughs> That was the hardest I have laughed in a very long time. And I told my wife on the way home to Sugarland, James Taylor was a scream. He's funny enough to do stand-up. Yeah, all in all, it was a great night of music and laughs, and it was the perfect birthday-slash-anniversary gift to each other. But now it's time for me to give you the gift of another edition of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. And today, we're going to focus on, surprise, Oktoberfest. Yeah, we usually talk to Rudy Lechner or somebody like that. You know, somebody who owns a German food restaurant or a German beer garden. But instead, this year, we're going to visit with our old friend and Texas history expert, Nick Kasselberg. Well, come on. Kasselberg's a German name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Hames certainly isn't. But that doesn't mean we can't enjoy this strudel, yeah? If your barbecue's gone up in smoke and your cooking reputation is at stake, stick around. The Old Grill Sergeant will be right back with more ideas and advice to make your next cookout sizzle. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's, conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant, all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door. With a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media. And my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. 
We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run, and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself, and you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like, never, right? Well, at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 Westlake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big-box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Life is simple. Eat, sleep, grill. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Hames. This next segment is bound to be fun because this guy does love to laugh and joke around. That means he's our kind of guy. This is Nick Castleberg. Hey, buddy, welcome back. Hey, amigo, long time no here. How you been? Uh, well, I'm uh, busier in a one-armed man in a paper-hanging contest. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty gosh darn busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how about you? Are you busy? Oh, no, not really. Not, not, not too busy at all. In fact, I'm... Probably up at the stage, I'm starting to get a little bored. Oh, so I'm I'm expecting to probably end up getting in trouble here in the next month or two. (laughs) (laughs) Idle hands and all that, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, we invited Nick to be on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show many years ago because he was at the time the culinary director for a living history museum. 
Did I get that title right, Nick? Oh, that sounds very auspicious, doesn't it? <laughs> so you, you'll accept that title. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I like the old way you used to introduce me as the head dishwasher. Because <laughs> I, I did it all. But yeah, yeah, that's that pretty much sums it up. I was uh, a camp cook ah. uh, who oversaw all of the historical recreations of of our famous Texas cuisine throughout the ages. So it was it was a great gig. Well, Nick has an astounding amount of knowledge about early Texas history. So for the first few years, when we talked to him on this show, we would have him tell us about a lot of different things, including the old 300. That was the name assigned to the first 300 families that settled in Texas under uh, the leadership of Stephen F. Austin. He was the impresario who had to deal with Mexico to attract Americans who wanted to immigrate to new land in the old west. How am I doing so far, Nick? <laughs> you, 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 you hit it out of the park on that one, my friend. Did I? Okay. Well, give us a quick overview of what life was like for the old 300. Drill down on how they fed themselves back then when there were no towns or trading posts. Yeah, you know, there there wasn't a, a local, I don't want to say a grocery chain, but insert said grocery chain name here. There wasn't one on the next <laughs> corner over. Um, so the first few years especially were very much um, hand-to-mouth. Now we know um, some of the settlers came from places like Arkansas. Um, they brought seed with them. But it, it took a, a good several years to, to get here, uh, to start building a shelter, to start breaking ground and dropping seeds in the ground to see, you know, just because something grew well in Arkansas doesn't mean it's necessarily going to grow well here in Texas. Exactly. Um, and, and just because you plant it once and it doesn't grow doesn't mean that the climate's not right. You might have a, a bad grow season. It might be exceptionally dry. It might be exceptionally wet. So it took a few years of hit and miss to figure out, you know, what, what would be substantial for harvest. Um, and then of course you had to be smart. You had to plant stuff. A don't plant more than you can use. Cause it's a waste of labor and effort to take care of more than you're going to use. If it's just going to go to waste. And then of course you want to think about planting stuff that you're going to be able to preserve mm -hmm. without a lot of effort or without a lot of using up your, your very hard to get, uh, preservation, uh, stuff like salt, for instance. Um, so we know the first crop that was planted by most early folks that got here was was just feed corn, what we call deer corn nowadays for all you deer hunters out there. Right. Uh, we we used to giggle because city folk would come out to the ranch um, during the, the close to harvest season, and of course it, it turned brown out in the in the fields. Um, and, and they'd come over. Oh my God, you guys are so feel so bad for y'all. All your corn's gone. You know, it's it's all dry dry parched and we're like no no it's it's, it's supposed to do that <laughs> what happens is the corn actually dries on the stalk ah. so when you go out and you harvest it all you got to do is break them cobs off of the the plant um and then build you a corn crib because as i've always said as it turns out the raccoons and deer and all the other critters out there like corn as much as as we do <laughs> um so you just built a corn crib and then you know the, the, the biggest hardest battle at that point was keeping it dry well, it sounds like these early settlers were all vegetarians. Oh, no, no. Or did they bring cattle with them? No, don't, don't get me wrong there. We're, we started off talking about what they were doing when they got here. Now, in the meantime, um, as, as you're 
planting and figuring out what's going to grow and what's not going to grow and building a house and clearing land and all the other stuff that you, you were busy doing 24-7 pretty much, uh, there was sustenance hunting going on. Mm. So, I mean, if, if it walked, crawled, blew, or swam, uh, it was it was fair dibs for, for supper table. You know, we have gator, we, gator definitely would have been up there, especially out there in Fort Bend County area. There's a lot of gator uh, in the creeks and, and ponds and, and whatnot out there. Uh, you know, rabbits, uh, squirrels, any kind of a, a bird, um, deer, of course. Uh, heard tell a few bear here and there in the early years. Um, got hunted out pretty quick, obviously. A uh, lot of uh, a wild hog that had been brought into uh, the area by the Spanish many, many years ago down in South America and worked their way up into what was now northern Mexico. And they're still here, aren't they, Nick? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, uh, I, I've hunted wild hog here many, many times. In fact, we got to the point that we, we started trapping them and, and, and breeding them um, at the old uh, sharecropper site because we know that people in the early years you know, you not necessarily have time to go out and hunt all that. If you can trap one or two and put them in a pen, you know, it only takes a couple of months for them, too, to go up to, like, 15, 16, 17. Um, and if I remember correctly, they'll breed at least three times a year, uh, and they'll spit out 12 to 14. You know, so it doesn't take long to go from trapping one or two to becoming a hog rancher. <laughs> but right now, the hogs are a big problem, aren't they, Nick? They are. Yes, they are. Um, I, I used to... Not not giggle, but it, it's funny sometimes how Mother Nature will will turn on us uh, and kind of show us uh, that she's still the boss. Yes. They'll go out and clear a they'll go out and clear a huge lake pasture, um, which has been lake pasture for many years. They'll build a subdivision in the process of clearing and elevating and putting in all the drainage and everything. They lock down all the the wild fauna that was out there. Uh, and then they build the houses, and then they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars coming in and putting in landscaping, which isn't what was there to begin with and then get upset when the hogs come in and root up all the hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of landscaping. It, it's real annoying. You're talking about my neighborhood, Nick. <laughs> but yeah, but you know, I mean, mother nature, you know, is, is always going to have the last word. Yeah. So it's just one of those things, you know, I mean, nothing is for free. <laughs> so you take that land, you clear it off, you build yourself a place, you know, and you're going to have to deal with, with nature, having her, it'll go at you so but no i know i know plenty of guys that get paid very well to go out and trap them and relocate them uh and then there's some outfits now that are doing hunts i mean i've heard of even doing they're doing hunts now from a helicopter wow which is which is a whole new ball game well what was the primary cooking method for the old 300 uh predominantly open fire outdoors ah. uh you got to remember the homes were predominantly log cabin um, there weren't a lot of brick foundries here at the time, so chimneys would have been very primitive. Um, and if you don't know what you're doing, putting up some type of ventilation in, in a cabin that doesn't have a proper chimney and draw, um, you end up getting yourself real, real sick from all the smoke insulation. Right. So whenever the weather was good, which was one of the, the reasons a lot of folks settled in this area, the weather most of the year is pretty conducive to cooking in what we called the summer kitchen, but it was, it was, it was used. I mean, our winter pretty much is, is a lot of places summers, you know? <laughs> right. Now, when you say summer kitchen, Nick, you mean that open air space between two buildings on each side, right? No, that would be the dog trot. Oh. And, and that, that was built um, predominantly for poor man's air conditioning. <laughs> uh, usually cabins sat east-west, 
So you had a north and south breeze coming through. And typically either, you know, in the winter months, we have winds coming out of the north. Uh, in the summer months, we typically have winds coming out of the south. So if your dog trot's facing north-south, you've always got a little bit of a breeze blowing through. Um, and, of course, the, again, the cabins were wood. So you wouldn't want to build a fire too close to the trot with that wind coming through. Uh, it could get away from you pretty quick. Now, a summer kitchen is just uh, a little area uh, close to the cabin. It's got a, a crossbar set up. Usually, um, in the early days, just a couple of logs stuck up vertical with a horizontal log. Uh-huh. And then chains suspended off of that with your Essex um, to raise and lower your pots for, for temperature control like we've talked about before. Uh, and you did your cooking outdoors uh, as much as you possibly could. Well, this is October, and Oktoberfest is a big deal. Kesselberg's a German name, right? Uh, actually, Swiss. Oh. But pretty pretty close. Pretty close. Uh, I know enough about Oktoberfest to be dangerous. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Switzerland's right next door, right? I mean... That's right. That's right. <laughs> so can you stick around and let's talk about uh, German settlements in early Texas and Oktoberfest? Sure. Stay patient. Dinner will be ready right after the smoke alarm goes off. Randy will be right back with more smoking hot tips for you and your old plane right after this short break. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years, and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big-box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, a electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's, conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant, all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door, with a wide variety variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Hi friends, Randy Hames to tell you about Cellular and Satellite. Cellular and Satellite are specialists in wireless data plans for businesses. Because they buy in large quantities, Cellular and Satellite can give you a data plan on the same provider you're using today, but at a lower cost. Cellular and Satellite can also combine the two largest wireless providers into a single data plan. Two carriers with better coverage, but only one invoice to pay. 
If your workforce is international, Cellular and Satellite offers a global data sim with fixed pricing in over 200 countries. You'll never have to pay international roaming charges again with Cellular and Satellite. And they can handle all your wireless data needs whether you need 10 or 10,000 data sims. So if you're an IT professional, mobility manager, or business owner, save money and increase your network availability by letting Cellular and Satellite simplify your wireless life. Call Cellular and Satellite today, 832-551-1000, or go to CellularAndSatellite.com. Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a complete computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. Stand back. We've got our grill on. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the grill father, Randy Hames. We're always happy to host our old and dear friend, Nick Castleberg, who is a Texas history expert. We're talking about early Texian Germans and how they celebrated Oktoberfest. Nick, we appreciate your insights into all this. Absolutely. So help us out here. How did the Germans settle in early Texas? Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, there was a, a prince or a, a member of a royal set up that came over and negotiated uh, a huge piece of land up towards um, New Braunfels. Uh-huh. Um, and if I remember the story properly, um, the majority of them arrived in Indianola, which was a port south uh, down by Matagorda, mm-hmm. uh, was taken out by the 1900 storm and was never rebuilt. But at the time, it, it and Galveston were the two rival ports. They were actually competing against each other for tonnage each year to be the main port on the on the Gulf Coast. Wow. Um, but the 1900 storm had come in and, and demolished it. Um, it was shortly after that that the, the biggest group had, had arrived. And the legend is there were a lot of debris up and down the beach. So they took the debris from the old ships and parts of the town that had been annihilated and built carts and started heading up uh, on foot for the most part. Uh, there were a few oxen, a few mules, but not many, heading up towards uh, Fredericksburg. Yes. Now, if you've ever driven, um, there's, there's several ways you can go out through San Antonio up the long way, or you can go out um, up through Bastrop, up 71, through Austin, and then up past all the wineries. Either way you go. You can't help but notice after an hour or so of being on the road, the topography has changed drastically. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs. <laughs> um, not, not what I would say mountainous, yeah. but definitely foothills. Yeah. And to be dragging a cart with all of your worldly possessions from Indianola, shush. 
<laughs> up to uh up to yes, there's my my fur baby here getting excited <laughs> this is live radio folks <laughs> <laughs> so heading up that way yeah it was, it was it was a huge arduous deal to be traipsing and you know they weren't roads um if they were they were just very simplistic dirt roads so a lot of manpower to get everything up and settled in that general area. And of course, now, even today, you go up towards New Braunfels. I vacation in Fredericksburg every year. Uh, it's, to me, um, the most favorite town in, in Texas for me. Uh, I'm a little biased. I served on the Nimitz uh, aircraft carrier. And, of course, Chester Nimitz was born in Fredericksburg, and his parents had the, oh, that's right. the hotel there, which used to be the Admiral Nimitz Museum, which is now the Pacific Warmer Museum, if I remember correctly. They changed the name a few years ago. Um, but we always go up there for vacation every year. And, and of course, um, one of the big draws, um, you know, being a, being a foodie, um, is the food. I absolutely adore German cuisine. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. These early German settlers undoubtedly kept up the Oktoberfest celebration. So they didn't have the luxury of going to a store to get all those food supplies. So what kind of Oktoberfest foods did they most likely have on hand to cook up for a party? Well, you know, a lot of the, the German cuisine very much evolved very much the way our, our cuisine evolved you know when when the texians first get here uh and and settled with the old 300 there was a lot of wild game being taken a lot of that was ground up and stuffed into sausage mm-hmm. of course the germans know a thing or two about making sausage as do the czechs <laughs> yeah which is why i i believe um and i'm a little biased because I've, I've lived here most of my life so, southeast texas i believe has the best sausage anywhere in the country um it's absolutely to die for um there's you can throw a stone in any direction out in Fort Bend County and then hit, you know, a Czech-owned smokehouse. Sure. Uh, and they're all family recipes. So there would have been a lot of reproducing the same recipes that, you know, their their ancestors had created in Germany. Right. Uh, a lot of the, the sausages, a lot of the brats. Uh, of course, when you start talking about food preservation and Germanic cuisine, the first thing that comes to mind, uh, of course, is kraut, sauerkraut. Well, let's talk about that, because that's a great Oktoberfest dish. Oh, yes. Sauerkraut and bratwurst balls. Oh, yes. Nothing beats deep, fat, fried finger food, especially <laughs> when it's served with mustard and beer. <laughs> but these are a lot like fritters, only rolled up in balls. Is that right? They are. You know, the first time I ever had one, I I was like, this is, what What kind of magic is this? You know, <laughs> um, it, it's really funny that you mentioned the, the balls specifically because of the frying. Because if you go back and you look at old European methods of cooking in the 16th, 17th century, predominantly, uh, say the British, for instance, everything was boiled, a lot of puddings huh. uh, wrapped in cloth and, and boiled in water. Whereas you look at Germany at that same time, Everything was fried. So it's no surprise that you, you know, we used to tell people out of the kitchen at that, the, the wagon that I ran for years, you know, this is, folks, this is South Texas. We use a lot of lard. And if you stand still long enough, we'll probably deep fry you or try to. Uh, you know, if, if you go to the state fair, they've got fried everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, got, I've lost track of what they do. But yeah, taking, taking the brats and uh, mixing them up with um, that crowd. And then rolling them up, breading them up, and, and deep frying them is absolutely beyond culinary perfection. I think it's that, and I, I've also had the uh, 
the fried corned beef where they take the corned beef and, and grind it up and mix it with the sauerkraut on a little uh, Thousand Island dressing and fry that up. Um, and it's, I mean, either one, you, you can't go wrong. It's like a hush puppy on steroids. You know? <laughs> well, here's another well-known German side dish that I've had a lot of times. Potato pancakes with applesauce. Oh, yeah. How do you like to make them, Nick? You know, the secret to a good potato pancake is in the grind. Mm. It's in the, it's in, a lot of people will tell you the same thing about making kraut. You know, every, every family that I know that's Czech has, you know, the, the ancient uh, shredding board, um, and everybody grates it a certain way and weighs it and adds a certain amount of salt, because that's basically all it is, is cabbage and salt. So with the potatoes, uh, it, it's very similar to the recipes for sauerkraut mm -hmm. everybody has their own particular recipe i like to grind or shred the potato by hand on, on a hand shredder i don't use any electric gizmo um, it makes it too watery uh, and the trick with a good potato pancake of course is to get as much of the moisture out as you can otherwise it's just going to fall apart um, so we'll shred the potato grate the potato up real good grate up some onion real good mix it together um, sometimes i'll add an egg or two um, sometimes I'll just add a little flour or cornmeal for binding agent, either way, um, flatten them out and then fry them up into some lard in a big old cast iron skillet. And so folks like them with applesauce, I prefer them with sour cream. Yeah. I was going to ask about that because a lot of people say they prefer sour cream on them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the fried okra. Mm -hmm. Some people like fried okra straight up. I like it salted with some ranch dressing on the side and dunk it down in the ranch dressing. And, you know, it's just a personal preference, but, um, yeah, you can't go wrong with, uh, you know, a couple of good potato pancakes or even some of the, the German fried potatoes with the sliced onions right. and either then some, some brats or, you know, some schnitzel with some, some mushroom gravy. And another one of my favorite German foods is schnitzel uh, again, fried, Typically pork, you can't go wrong. Well, what Oktoberfest banquet would be complete without German strudel? Now, this involves baking. Yeah. Most of us guys are not baking specialists. Right. We're dependent on you for advice here, buddy. Oh, goodness. Um, it has been a month of Sundays. Um, probably going back to when I was in school many, 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 many years ago. <laughs> um, but the, the main thing to remember... And this is about all I can add to that would be that, you know, there's a lot of chefs that, that don't like to bake. Um, I'm going to let you in on a little industry secret. Yeah. It ain't because we're not competent at baking. Uh -huh. The problem that a lot of chefs have with baking is what the recipe says is what the recipe is. It's not <laughs> open for interpretation. And, you know, a lot of us chefs, we pride ourselves on being individuals uh -huh. we like to add our own little panache okay to each recipe so if, I, if i'm doing a, a red cabbage recipe and it says a half a cup of vinegar i might go three quarters a cup <laughs> yeah. of vinegar you sound like my dad if a little bit's good a whole lot will make it great it's even better <laughs> that's right I, I may go with apple cider one time i may go with red wine vinegar the next time there's there's some wiggle room is what i'm saying this has been Nick Kasselberg, our culinary genius. <laughs> he may not be German, but he's still our guy. Thanks for all the advice, and happy Oktoberfest, pal. Hey, thank you. You too, my friend. Life is short. Grill while you can. Randy will be right back with more food and fun after this break.
Randy Hames here, proud to introduce you to Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. My good friends Jared and Marcus Poffenberger operate Belleville Meat Market, an old-fashioned butcher shop with superior products and great customer service. There's always a butcher on site at Belleville Meat Market, and their new processing plant is right next door. Hunters, a computer tracking system will follow your venison, wild hog, or exotics through every step of the process to ensure you get your meat your way. At Belleville Meat Market, you can pick and choose the cuts of beef, pork, or chicken you want, and they feature 28 flavors of pecan smoked sausage. Plus, Belleville Meat Market only uses lean pork in their sausage, so you get more meat and less fat. Tailgaters, drop by on your way to the game and get just what you need to feed your crew. Belleville Meat Market, just 15 minutes south of Hempstead and 15 minutes north of Sealy on Highway 36 in Belleville. Visit BellevilleMeatMarket.com or call 979-865-5782. It's Randy Hames again. Everybody needs a video or a new website or help in managing their social media. And my company, Edgewater Digital, can help. We help small businesses navigate the intimidating world of digital marketing. You've got a business to run and you don't have time or expertise to build and maintain your website all by yourself. And you certainly don't have time to generate content for it. And when's the last time you had an extra hour or two to manage your company's internet ads or social media accounts? Like never, right? Well, at Edgewater Digital, that's what we do. We have a talented web design team who've built a number of incredibly successful websites for companies large and small. Need content too? No problem. Edgewater can provide copywriting, photography, and videography services to enhance the content on your website, email marketing, or even social media. We're a full-service digital marketing solution with a track record of success. Call us today at 832-500-4272 or see our website edgewater-digital.com. Hey guys, Randy Hames here to tell you about my good friend Rick Allspa at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique in Kingwood. I've known Rick for years and he's one of the finest Christian men I've ever met, but he's also got a dynamite hardware store at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has everything you'd expect to find in a top-of-the-line hardware store, but with the personal service that's missing from the big box stores. The original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique has tools and automotive, lawn and garden, electrical and plumbing, paint and hardware, all under one roof. But Rick is also an avid backyard chef, so the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique features a complete barbecue pit house. From gas to charcoal grills to fryers and steamers, they've got it all at the original Allspa's Hardware and Boutique. They even offer grill maintenance and repair. Visit their website, allspas.com, or just drop by and see for yourself. The original Allspas Hardware and Boutique at 2720 West Lake Houston Parkway in Kingwood. Boyd's One Stop. The name says it all. If you like seafood, you'll love Boyd's. Conveniently located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Boyd's One Stop has bait, tackle, fresh seafood, and even a restaurant all at 227 Dyke Road. If you fish Galveston Bay, Boyd's is the one and only stop for everything you need. There's a reason why they're called the live shrimp capital of Texas. But they've also got lots of finger mullet, croaker, plus fresh dead shrimp, shad, and squid. Plus, Boyd's has tackle galore, ice and ice chests, and cold drinks and snacks. Just need fresh fish for a family seafood feast? The freshest seafood, like table shrimp, live blue crab, and crawfish when in season, is in stock and ready for you at Boyd's. And if you're hungry right now, check out Boyd's Cajun Grill Express right next door with a wide variety of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items like crawfish, oyster po'boys, and fried seafood platters. Boyd's One Stop, the name says it all, 227 
Dyke Road at the base of the Texas City Dyke. May the forks be with you. This is the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Boyd's One Stop is located at the base of the Texas City Dyke. Now, here's the guy who turns all the grills on, Randy Hames. Here's one of the few guys who can actually share my level of passion for the Houston Texans. <laughs> it's my old radio buddy from the Hudson and Harrigan show, Fred Olson. Well, we're catching up with Jacksonville in the race for the bottom. Are you happy with our progress? <laughs> I, I am, actually. Uh, but, you know, a, a real blessing took place this last Sunday. I went to record the game, and apparently KHOU is in a, some kind of a dispute with Dish. And the game wasn't even on. So I went, I'm off the hook. I, I, I won't even have to get emotionally involved this time. So I checked in at halftime and said, well, it's not bad. And then by the end of it, I went, ooh, that's bad. That's, that's bad. bad, yeah. It was pretty bad. Well, let's let's talk about the most important position on the field, quarterback. I think we all believe that Davis Mills might actually have some potential after the New England game, but he looked like a third-round draft pick who didn't play much in college uh, in this game anyway. So what's your assessment of him long-term? I, I think that we're, we're blessed to have a kid who goes out and struggles each week and doesn't give up. Um, so, you know, who knows? Third-round pick, played 11 games in college. Uh, he may turn out to be, if he can get through this season, if he can do this and not lose heart. And that's what I was thinking about all the veterans we have, the guys who signed one-year deals and prove-it deals and, and want to keep playing even after they're with Texans. Every week you go out and you get pummeled. And after a while, it's got to take a toll on you. You have to just go, you know what? We ain't going to the playoffs. Yeah. And I'm getting my butt kicked every single week it's got to have a psychological effect on some of these guys but the fact that they got and they play pretty good half a ball and then kind of dissolve so my assessment of davis mills is i think we're lucky to have a guy uh who doesn't cost much and and wants to win wants to at least try well i think he looks like a third round draft pick who didn't play much in college but maybe he'll bounce back against who's our next oh yeah arizona <laughs> they're undefeated right okay Okay. Yeah, they're fun to watch. Deion, I saw DeAndre get that uh, nice touchdown. I see J.J. Watt making a sack. And it's like, hey, I remember those guys when they were, hmm. well, they're really good now, but they were really, really good when they were with us. And, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be tough. But and these guys each week have to go, we have to go out there, we have to give our best because they're playing for pride at this point. Sure ain't just the money. Well, the running game was really the only bright spot on offense, but it wasn't exactly blindingly bright. <laughs> Mark Ingram seems to be ageless. He must take care of his body really, really well. And the and the O-line did a reasonably good job. Is that the way you see it? Well, when you get behind by that much, you, you can't run the ball anymore. And apparently, you know, you can, but you aren't going to win. So once you get into that passing game, I, I, you know, again, I didn't see it, but I read, you know, they're trying to swing passes and little bitty passes and, and keep it all manageable. And, uh, and, that just apparently ain't working. But yeah, Ingram is, I mean, again, we have some some good players, a couple of them. We don't have any superstars, except maybe Terod, if you want to call him a superstar. But um, yeah, it's it's just really disappointing. I, I, I wanted us to not win, but to lose that badly is really disheartening. <laughs> yeah, it really is. The defense was absolutely wretched. And, and I know they've had some significant injuries, 
But at this stage in the season, everybody has. Sure. It's just that the Texans are so thin on defense, they don't have any decent backups to put in. Gets kind of hard to watch after a while, doesn't it? Well, it, it, it does because we knew going in that it was going to be weak. We just knew. And how many linebackers do we have? Like at 1.11? Yeah. And so we could shuffle them in and, and rotate them real quick so nobody gets too worn out or beat up. But it's just, you know, and my only... I guess my thought on this is that this year is not definitely not going to be good. And we might end up with maybe a third pick overall. And then, then like 37 or yeah, 30, yeah. What 34 in the next round or whatever. And uh, we're looking at a couple of years of this because coaching ain't that good. I mean, yeah. it, it, Cully, it just looks kind of lost sometimes, but that's just my judgment. Well, the race to the bottom continues, my friend. And as painful as it is, we just need to remind ourselves about that pot of gold that awaits the Texans at the bottom of the rainbow. <laughs> that first round draft pick. Exactly, and, and if we can get that, and then maybe Deshaun Watson, that gets again. We're losing a great roster spot to a guy who can't play, and we're paying ten point whatever seven five million dollars to. And uh, it's just you know, it's you're kind of in 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 uh, football hell at this point, and that's just we have to be ready for that. And it may be a couple of years till we get the right coaching staff and the right players. And uh, but uh, I tell you what, I, I'm like watching. I like well, Buffalo didn't win the other night, but I'm, I like watching Buffalo play. I would tell you the Titans, man, they are, they're going to chew right through us. <laughs> it looks like with Derrick Henry, man. Well, Skyler and I have a fantasy team together. We call them the Tiger Frogs, get it the combination between LSU and TCU. And uh, 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 Derrick Henry is our running back, and he scores us between 20 and 30 points every week. It's amazing. Yeah, he uh, he's just really emerged. I think that, well, you know, they're the class of the AFC South, mm-hmm. and uh, where we used to own that for how many years? We owned it, owned it, owned it, and then we didn't anymore. So it's uh, as the drama unfolds, it's still interesting to to look at it and read the stats, and but not have to watch the game <laughs> and uh, see players get carted off and all that. And Titus Howard is out, isn't it, Titus? Yes. Yeah, he's out with a finger thing. I may have the wrong player, but I think it's Titus. Again, I missed a lot this last week. Well, you can't watch the games anyway because you can't pick up (laughs) KHOU. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to figure that, but there was another game I wanted to see, but it uh, it was a Cowboy game, Uh and that wasn't even on. Yeah, so that was they weren't broadcasting anything on DISH, so maybe they've got it figured out by now. I don't know. But uh, I did want to see some other football. It just wasn't available either. I could care less about the CBS regular programming, but uh, football I do care about. Yeah, yeah, we all do. Well, it's warmed up in recent days, but we actually had some cooler weather earlier this week. So does fall-like temperatures affect things out there at Rattlesnake Ranch? Oh, it does, especially with the dog. Boo the Wonder Dog. So i got to tell you this cute story. Happened just this morning. It was nice and cool out. And he usually goes out and he faces up the road in case anything goes by on the road uh, outside or hears a truck coming. And this, and this morning he was laying up on the road looking back at the house. And I was watching him, and he was just all gazing at the house. And behind him, about 50 feet behind him, this big doe comes walking out. She's walking really slow, looking at him, walks into the woods. And about 30 seconds later, this great big buck comes walking right behind him. <laughs> and I went, where is my camera? Man, and the dog didn't, he didn't even move. He just stared in the wrong direction. <laughs> he loves to chase him. He loves to park at it. It was, it was beautiful. I went, oh, man, where's my camera? This is perfect. Well, one of the things that all of us who call ourselves backyard chefs need to do during these cool snaps 
is clean out our outdoor cookers. What's the status out on your deck, Fred? Really good because uh, since I got the air fryer, I've been fudging on uh, chicken and fish and things like that. But I'm ready. I've I got family coming, granddaughter and uh, a stepson, Michael. They're coming here in a few weeks. So I'm going to be cooking some ribs outside and maybe throw a steak on. And so I, I'm going to be prepped and ready, man. Well, in the next few weeks, we're going to feature Tony Thomas again. He's that guy that operates the grill guys. They do a fantastic job. They come out to your home. They clean the cookers right there in your backyard. No fuss, no muss for you. You know, a, a gift certificate for the grill guys would make a great Christmas gift for the backyard chef on your list. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really do. Because there was a time when I took my, uh, I had an old one I ended up giving away. I took it apart and I went, what have I done? <laughs> it was it was not up to the level of the one I own now. And it was just coated with stuff and just, I had to buy new pieces because if, if you let it go too long, you're going to get some, some wear and tear that you're going to have to replace. And so if you hire somebody like that who knows what they're doing, man, you're getting like a new grill starting over again. And I'll check stuff out. So I'd, I'd highly recommend that unless you love be up to your neck in uh, <laughs> old grease and and uh, and residue. And I take it you don't. Is that right? I don't have a lot of choice. I'm two hours away from those guys, so I do it anyway. I've, I've got it down. This this new grill I got is so much easier to clean. Well, how so? Well, it's it's a Weber, and and it's uh, just it was a great above the one. The other one I had for about. 18 years. So, I mean, it was in its day, it was the bomb. So I got, I got that Weber from uh, Rick Allspa. Yes. At the original Allspa's hardware and boutique in Kingwood. And it's, it's a lot easier to clean. And man, that thing with that searing on it, I will tell you, you can make a steak. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. Yeah. I love that thing. Love it. Well, buddy, have a great weekend. And thanks for taking the time to talk to us. I love you, buddy. Love you too. And uh, go Texans. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. Send us your burning questions and favorite recipes in a private message on our Facebook page, The Outdoor Cooking Show, or visit our website, theoutdoorcookingshow.com. Join us next week for more tasty food and fun over a red-hot grill on the Boyd Seafood Outdoor Cooking Show. How's about cooking something up with me?